Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right. You know where you are. You know what time it is. This is the Cashflow Guys Podcast. I am Tyler Chef, your host. And this week, we're going to talk to some folks from New York City, one of my favorite places. I love New York City. I want to give a shout out to LaShawn. She was kind enough to send a question into us. And I'm going to read you this email and get her questions answered. I, I, it's a great question. It's something that comes up on a regular basis. And guys, keep them coming because it, I think it helps other folks when you may have a question, don't think that other people don't have the same question. And some folks are just not comfortable asking or they don't want to put themselves out there or whatever. So go ahead and get those questions in. Send them to info at cashflowguys.com or you can go on the website, cashflowguys.com, hit the contact us button, send them that way. Either way, they will get to me. I will take a look at them. I will do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Well, Sean, I know I sent this to you a couple, you sent this to me a couple weeks ago, but I've been traveling, I've been goofing off, doing my thing, living on that cash flow, enjoying life, been looking at the waterfalls, taking chill around the country and getting all kinds of good stuff going. And I wish you the same, okay? And we're gonna, hopefully this answer will help you get closer to that goal and get you out of the rat race because he starts out by saying, I love listening to your podcast while I'm at work. Well, tisk 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 but i don't blame you i do the same thing frankly i got I, I taught myself multifamily real estate when i worked for the federal government on a ship so i really can't say anything about that because i'm guilty as charged hands up my right hands up i'm guilty I, he's, uh, she goes on to say i'm a newbie looking for advice on my first deal i know that i want to be in multifamily two thumbs up well done and due to my location new york city it would have to be out of state for economic reasons first of all I'm going to give you a big fat disagree on that one. I don't believe that you can't do deals or find opportunity in any particular market. I believe that you can find great opportunities in Honolulu, Hawaii, in Brooklyn or Manhattan, New York. Because here's the thing. For you to say that you can't, and this is a mindset shift. And Sean, I want you to get clear on this real quick. And I know it's very easy. We can look at facebook and and think that ever since the other these the big the guru says that you got to find you know go to crappy markets and buy crappy properties because nobody else wants them and you'll make money and everything be fine that's not always true because here's the thing the reason why i was able to escape the rat race so quickly after i started trying to escape the rat race consciously escaping the rat race is because i started i focused solely on solving problems you see i wasn't looking on zillow for what's on the market or Trulia or list source or wherever, not list source, but um, I can't think of name right now. But anyway, you, I wasn't sit, sitting there saying, cause people told me the same thing about Tampa. You can't find deals and there's no deals in Tampa. They told me this in 2009 when they were giving properties away in the Tampa Bay market. Okay. There's no deals in Memphis. The only thing in Memphis is, is crappy uh, uh, section eight type F-class properties. That's not true. There's lots of great areas around Memphis, Tennessee to invest in that makes sense, okay? So let's not focus so much on our area and focus on whether or not we're really focusing on solving problems. You see, if we're looking for problems, and sometimes the problem is a developer that ran out of money and can't fix a project. How many times in New York City have you driven by a building and think to yourself, why is that still under construction? Well, that's probably because somebody's got a problem. Sometimes it could be a money problem. Sometimes it could be a management problem. It could be a permitting problem. Regardless, it could be a problem that you could solve, okay? 
Now, not to go, I'm not going to go political, but I'm going to use this as an example of solving a problem and how it profited somebody else. Okay. I was watching this documentary on a real estate deal that President Trump did back, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, where he basically renovated a skating rink in New York City. Okay. Basically, the, the story goes that he wants you to know is that, that he went in and saved the day, put his cape on, that's all fine and dandy. Went in and saved the day, did his thing uh, to better the city. The reality of it is, guys, is that he used that as a springboard to boost his resume. Okay, And he, of course he made profit off of it. I mean, think about it. So did he go in and saw he found a problem that apparently the city of New York couldn't solve or couldn't solve effectively? He went in and showed his prowess, his ability to solve problems, and by doing so, landed himself a ton of investors because, what was it? It was a big press release. And when you have a big press release, well, everybody's paying attention. So think about that for a second, okay? I know it doesn't matter whether you love Trump, hate Trump, doesn't matter. But what matters is learn from the examples that other people who are more successful than you have done before, Okay. I could come up with similar examples for the Clintons if you're on the Clinton Clinton train or whatever. You know, Clintons went and did presidency, became president, and now old Bill's getting, I don't know, multi-million dollar speaking gigs. I think I saw recently like $900 million or something. Rather, it's crazy. I mean, good for him. Two thumbs up for making the money, whatever. But what the people that make money are the ones that identify, learn to find problems, and that doesn't necessarily mean a crappy property. Sometimes the biggest problems are found in the prettiest properties because everybody's posturing, right? Nobody wants other people to see they have problems. But when you spend time networking and talking to people, you will discover opportunity right in your backyard. There are lots of projects that have gone unfinished in New York City. There's lots of things that people have talked about doing for a long time but never actually done that maybe you could step in with solutions and take care of those. So just what I'm saying is don't overlook opportunity right in your backyard because people like me, are, may, might be looking in your backyard and we may be taking advantage of opportunity and people understand, don't understand how I came off the ship in 2014 and 11 months later escaped the rat race and I wasn't hanging out at all the real estate meetings and I wasn't going to every guru seminar out there and I wasn't doing much of anything publicly I was just out there doing my thing keep my mouth shut and focusing on solving problems and by focusing on solving problems I acquired a ton of real estate with none of my own money and escaped the rat race Fast forward to 2019, we bought an RV, and now we're traveling the country. And by the way, I don't have a loan on that RV. I own it free and clear, so I have no bad debt. And that's a beautiful thing, folks, when you can do that because you don't have those expenses. However, none of that would have happened. Wouldn't None of that would have happened if we hadn't got really good at solving problems. But to solve problems, you first got to find them. And that takes a lot of networking. One of the, way I, one of the ways I find problems is via my YouTube channel and my, my Cashflow Guys YouTube channel, my Cashflow Guys business pages, this podcast, because people reach out to me and go, hey, Tyler, I overpaid for a building or I bought this building five years ago and the roof is leaking and the tenants are mad. Can you help? Sure. So I'll either consult them through the, the solution, which I will do that for folks. If it's a simple solution, they can knock it out in a 15-minute session. They go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. They get on my calendar and we walk them through the problem. 15, 30 minutes, no problem. If it goes beyond that, I do independent consulting to help people solve problems. That's what I do. And I monetize that. Okay, because when problems exceed 30 minutes of my time, there's a fee for that. 
but that fee is a lot less than what it would cost people to venture on and do it themselves. Okay, think about that. You can put yourself in the same situation. I've also offered my services as a professional negotiator where I charge a base fee to go negotiate a deal for someone and then I get a cut of what I save them. That's how I got, I basically paid off the rehab on the first property we did is by going out and being that professional negotiator. I stepped in as a essentially a contractor for a buyer and negotiated deals for the buyer. I'll still do it today for the right person. If services like that make sense to you, pick up the phone and give me a call. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler, get on my calendar, let's talk about it. I mean, realistically, you're going to go out and buy a duplex and you can't figure out how to get it below 150. But I can get it for you for 100 because I know what the heck I'm doing. I'm good at it. I'm an expert at negotiating. Is there value in that for you? Hell yeah, it's 50 grand. All I'm asking is share some of that value with Uncle Tyler, right? Someday I want to get a diesel pusher and those buggers are expensive. Anyway, I digress. She goes on to say, well, actually, I went on to say, I need you to stop looking at price. And this goes to all of you. Please stop looking at price. I'm running a little social experiment right now. At the time of this recording, I have an eight-unit apartment building for sales. Not mine. It's a, I, I'm playing realtor on it in Florida. It's currently cash flowing, but people are afraid to write an offer because they don't want to upset, air quotes, the seller. I wouldn't want to offend the seller. That, that's garbage. Okay. Write an offer. If there's something you want, make an offer. If you want to dance with the prettiest girl at the dance, ask her. Because if she's standing there looking at the ceiling or on Instagram, there's a pretty damn good reason why. That's because nobody else had the balls to ask. So if you grow up and pull up your big boy pants and go ask the girl to dance, then she might say yes. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be amazing? Same thing with the seller, guys and girls. If the seller has a problem and you may have a solution make an offer that solves the problem and if you make offers that solves pro solve problems there's a pretty darn good chance they might say yes and even if they say no big deal the good thing is you walk away knowing that you tried to solve a problem and the reality is some folks are not going to let you solve their problems that's just life right so let's instead of looking at price and what's for sale let's look for opportunity in finding problems and you do that by talking to people right you get out there you rub elbows people you go to to meetups and places like that and i'm not talking about real estate clubs where they're trying to sell you a bunch of crap i mean go find those little meetups where there's like six ten people six to ten people maybe 20 people maybe somebody's speaking that's not selling something you know trying to pitch you on some fifty thousand dollar boot camp but go out there and add value to these people. Listen, and maybe there's something that you can talk intelligently on. Maybe you read a book and then you go regurgitate that information to somebody else when you're at these events. Maybe you start your own cash flow one-on-one game. That's what we did to get started. We found a heck of a lot of opportunity and we found a heck of a lot of capital by simply doing a cash flow one-on-one game. Students of mine that have gone through my mastermind and in my coaching program, they all have their own cash flow one-on-one games. And they are kick killing it. One of my guys said to me the other day, he's like, dude, I can't believe I doubted you when I, you told me how easy it was to raise capital. Well, the difference is, is that the reason why it's easy for him to raise capital is because he does the work. It's that simple. He hosts the event, he provides value, he studies a topic, understands it completely, and then teaches it to people at the cash flow event. After he studied it, he's confident with his abilities, then he goes and teaches that to them. And then what do they say? Wow, that guy's pretty smart. 
maybe I'll want to do business with him. Next thing you know, they're throwing their IRAs at him and their checkbooks. That's just how it works, folks, okay? Same thing goes for deals. When you sit down and talk to a seller and you provide value and you listen to them and you help them find solutions for their problems, then you're the good guy, you're the good girl, you're on their side. So I'm not gonna belabor that point, but it, I, I say it a lot because it's the most important way for you to get a big fat yes on your offers. But for that to happen, you have to be looking for the opportunity, not looking for what's for sale, okay? And she goes on to say, so I'm currently looking into New Jersey. I know it has some of the nation's highest taxes, but cash on cash return outweighs that concern. Well, I don't understand. Why are you mentioning the nation's highest taxes if there's a significant cash on cash return? Because that what red flags me there is, are you factoring in the cost of tax because keep in mind, with property tax, when you buy a property for a higher amount than the last person that owned it, the taxes go up. So to all of you that are underwriting deals, you need to be looking at that property tax number and make sure that you've spoken to the local tax collector's office and that you are crystal clear on what the new taxes will be after the sale. I know a lot of folks that have gotten surprised, bought a property, thought they had a great deal, and their property taxes tripled. And now they went from a good deal to a bad deal where they're losing money in the deal. So don't fall into that trap, okay? So I guess I don't, don't understand that part of the question. Maybe you can email me a follow-up about that. But anyway, always make sure you do those taxes. So always make sure you include those taxes in your cash flow analysis, folks. Don't overlook that. That is a very, very important thing. Taxes, the one thing you can count on, and I don't care who's in office, is taxes are always going to go up. That's a fact. They may discount one tax. They're going to discount one tax over on the left or over on the right to disguise you from what they're raising taxes on otherwise. So a good example of that is, let's say the, the, the president comes out and says, hey, we're going to save everybody 20% on their, their payroll tax, their income tax. Great. You can bet your bippy that when they do that, some other tax that you pay, it could be gasoline tax, taxes on food, could be foreign tariffs. It could be all kinds of different things. They're going to be raised. See, that's how the government, since the beginning of time, has been able to tax the public. That's how they do it. Like it or, 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 or hate it, that's just reality. Understand that. that. You're never getting something for nothing. Okay, That just doesn't exist. You, you never get something for nothing. So whenever you think something is great, oh, look, they save us all that money. Understand, that's called smoke and mirrors, folks. Okay, and there's clues in the news. When you see lots of controversy paying attention lately, you ever notice that, uh, you know, certain things happen, which, and then afterwards, and they go, oh, well, they point back to the other thing and how that changes things? Well, yeah, that's what's going on. They keep us distracted so they can do what they got to do. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but realistically, you got to pay attention to these things, folks. So don't get complacent in where you are tax-wise, okay? That's really the summary here, Okay. Now, the return that you gain from an asset, and I want this to be crystal clear, the return that you gain from an asset is directly impacted on how well you negotiate your deal and how you finance it. So when you say cash on cash return, I say your cash on cash return is directly tied to your negotiating skills. So that said, if you are not don't have an acceptable cash on cash return, that tells us that we need some help in our negotiating or that we need to refine our skills or we need to try push a little harder to get where we need to go. In a lot of cases, that comes to restating the seller's pain if they have it. And then a lot of you may say, well, Tyler, the seller doesn't have any pain. So I ask you, then why the hell are you buying it? 
Why are you buying something where you cannot add value? Why are you buying something when you, where you can't solve a problem? For that matter, why are you making an offer when you can't solve a problem for the seller? Because the only thing the, the seller then has to judge your offer on is the amount. And I don't ever want less than what I want for my properties if I don't have motivation. I want $10 million for one of my properties right now, $10 million. I will sell it if you give me $10 million. Short of $10 million, I don't want to hear about it. Okay? Well, Tyler, why do you want $10 million? Now we're talking. I want $10 million because nothing less than $10 million will replace the cash flow that I glean from that property every month. I enjoy a massive amount of cash flow from this property every month. So I want it to replace this property. I want $10 million. You see, I'm not a motivated seller. Other people would look at it and go, I'll give you 600 Or some people probably say, I'll give you 100 It doesn't matter. Bottom line is I'm not motivated. So don't make me an offer if I'm not motivated. If you can't gauge my or my motivation, don't waste your time making me an offer because you can't solve a problem for me unless you can replace the cash flow. And I'm sitting on this one property. It's twelve grand a month in cash flow this month coming in. Twelve grand a month. You can't replace that twelve grand a month with three hundred grand cash, in my opinion, because what's going to happen to three hundred grand cash after the government taxes it? Well, there's not going to be a whole lot left. And then you divide that by the twelve grand a month, and that'll tell you how long that money will last. Not long enough is the answer, folks. So why would I sell that property when if I can't replace? That income, right? Tyler doesn't have a problem with the property. Don't waste your time making me an offer because I'm just going to giggle. I still get We Buy Houses cards in the mail from this property, which means they are definitely, the people that are doing the marketing are not using targeted marketing. They're hitting all multifamily owners, okay? If you're going to do marketing direct mail, if you absolutely insist direct mail, if you're not willing to spend less money and do better by using digital marketing, if you just can't handle the thought of learning what you need to know to crush your real estate marketing for 100 bucks, and you absolutely insist on spending $5,000 in postcards instead of 100 bucks by going to cashflowguys.com forward slash one funnel away, then I got nothing for you. Then you, you're, what you're going to do is you're going to spend money sending postcards to people like me who don't have a problem. And what, you, what happens to your postcard is I throw it in the trash because I don't need it. And I'm not motivated. Okay. So that's what we got to keep in mind. Okay. You've got to be direct to seller whenever possible when negotiating a deal. Or if you're working through an agent, that agent should be willing to bring you in on the mix to have that conversation. Okay. So get used to doing that. You've got to get better folks, all of you at negotiating deals to be able to get, garner decent cash flow. Again, price doesn't matter. Okay, terms do. And we're going to cover that here in a second. The fastest way, and Jimmy Napier taught me this, the fastest way to ruin a perfectly good deal is to finance it incorrectly or rather irresponsibly. And I see a lot of this going on right now. There's all these business credit things. I'm a tangent here for just a second. Stop by financing your life on credit cards. And I know the business credit card company said it'll be great. We'll give you hundred grand on credit cards and it's interest-free for 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, whatever it may be. Statistically, you have about a 99% chance of getting wiped out financially by signing on to this garbage. Okay? Don't do it. I'm seeing this constantly. 
PayPal is all over me. I mean, I get direct mail, phone calls. I've had finally had to tell them, do I need to shut down my PayPal account and sue you guys to make you go away? I mean, good Lord, don't get sucked into these type of deals. This is not financing that you can use to buy real estate. Do not buy real estate on a credit card. Please do not buy anything on a cash advance. Don't do it. That's absolute garbage. So let's now cover the re another section of this because this ties in perfectly what she's talking about here. She says, here is where I need your expertise. I see so many investors purchasing New, Jer New Jersey duplexes and triplexes for about 250K plus, putting 50 to 75K or more if it's a complete gut into it, then renting out each unit for 1500 per month. So that's each unit, 1500 a month. Refinance and repeat, BRRR. The Burr method, the, that gets the bigger pockets thing. The bigger pockets, by the way, is the number one podcast in the country. Guess who's number two? That would be the Cashflow Guys podcast. Hell yeah. That's it. Number two, you guys put me there, so I appreciate that. Number two real estate podcast in the country. Yes. Digging it. Feeling pretty proud. By the way, side notion, realtors and title companies, we're looking for sponsors. You want to get out to a massive audience? If you don't suck as a realtor, if you're a good realtor and you can provide lots of value to the fine folks that listen to these episodes, reach out to me. Go to infocashflowguys.com, email infocashflowguys.com, send that email to my team. We'll set up a time to get on a call with me and let's see if you are worthy, worthy of working for the folks here that listen to the Cashflow Guys podcast. If you do, we are going to give you an incredibly cheaply priced opportunity to supercharge your leads. Yes, it's true. It's going to happen. How do you do that? Info at cashflowguys.com. Drop us an email. Tell us you're a realtor or a title company. We will set you up for a call with me. We're going to have a conversation, see how you can help our fine folks because a lot of these folks need help in negotiating. If you're good at negotiating things like that, let's get on the phone and have a conversation. Let's go back to that. So she says that, you know, investors purchasing New Jersey duplexes, triplexes, 250K, putting 50 to 75K. If it's a complete gut into it, they're running it out for 1500 So first of all, those numbers aren't terrible if it's a triplex, right? 250K on a triplex that's renting for 1500 that's not bad. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. She goes on to say, is it wise to have five or more homes with such high mortgages? Well, first of all, you're talking about triplexes, so these are not homes. If they were actual homes, if it was, if you were talking about single-family homes and you've got a portfolio of five single-family homes, I would say that doesn't make good sense because you're not going to be able to really, really scale because generally the banks are going to shut you off. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of between five and ten mortgages, which is completely dependent on you and your credit profile as an individual, okay? So if you're only allowed to have, let's say, five to ten mortgages in your own name um, and to take advantage of that good, long-term, low-interest rate residential financing, wouldn't it make it more sense to do that with fourplexes? If I had the choice between ten houses or ten fourplexes, I would much rather have ten fourplexes. Why would that be? Well, because i got 40 people paying me rent. <laughs> That's why. That pays a lot better, and it's a lot lower risk. The banks look at it also the same way, right? So think about that and think about, you know, for me, the first thing I'm going to say to your question is, who cares how much the mortgage balances are? I don't give two patooies how much my mortgage balance is, okay? I got millions of dollars of mortgage debt, 
at this stage of the game. And I frankly don't care. You know why? Well, because I, first of all, it doesn't matter. It doesn't equate to anything. Okay. It doesn't matter to me once whatsoever. What does matter is that the cash flow that comes in from that borrowed money from those mortgages is significantly higher than the monthly debt service on those mortgages. Okay. These are appreciating assets that are cash flowing. So here's a good example. If I've got, let's say a $300,000 mortgage for a $300,000 mortgage, I'm cash flowing like 12 grand. Okay. For a million dollar mortgage, I'm cash flowing eh, 35 to $40,000 a month. So do the math on that. As long as you're, the relationship of what you're bringing in makes sense as to what's going out and you're not speculating, then go for it. That said, don't buy properties with hard money. Stop doing that. It's as bad as taking business credit cards. It doesn't make sense. Okay? Don't do that. Go for good long-term financing. If you're in the residential side, if you're one to four units, you should be taking 30-year terms as much as possible and the lowest interest rates you can possibly do. Okay? If you're in the commercial side, the small apartment buildings, trailer parks, things like that, I'd be trying to get the loan to value as low as possible, little cash as possible. 70% is doable in some markets. I hear some lenders doing that. A lot of places it's 60%, especially if you're new, which means you got to put 40% cash down. 30% would be better, more cash in your pocket for renovations, things like that. In commercial, the banks want to push you to 10 or 15-year terms. Know that 20 and 25-year terms are available on a case-by-case -case basis. How do you find out which ones? You get on the phone, you call everybody you know, in the lending space and let them know that you're looking for money to buy an apartment building or a trailer park or whatever it is you're going to buy a warehouse doesn't matter. Okay. Everything's negotiable. Understand that everything is negotiable. I don't care what they put on their flyer. There's always more programs out there, but you've got to rub elbows to people, speak to people, let people know what you're looking for and try to drag those mortgages out as long as you can. Here's the thing I will tell you folks, don't make the mistake. And a lot of syndicators are doing this. A lot of folks are going to go broke here soon. There's a lot of people out there making deals based on a five-year, either being able to refinance in five years or sell at a profit in five years. But really what they're doing is, if you remember Johnny Carson, I'm dating myself now, but remember Johnny Carson used to wear that Swami thing on his head and he would hold the envelope up and try to guess what it says and then say something funny afterwards? That's really what a lot of the syndicators are doing today. They're holding that envelope up there with your money in it and trying to decide based on a guess if it's going to be worth more later. Okay. That's really what's happening. And they're maybe using fact to get to that decision, right? They're using historical fact, I hope, but a lot of them aren't. They're not going back and looking at, they don't, they don't, uh, recession proof or recession test their deals. And this is what gets sketchy. Okay. So when it comes to mortgage balances, guys, don't worry so much about the mortgage balance if you're in it for the long term. Okay. So focus more on being in it for the long term. And making sure the terms of the loan, the monthly payment, allow you to have a healthy cash flow. Let me do the math for you. Fifteen hundred dollars a month rent on a duplex is three grand, right? On three units, it's forty five hundred. So a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage and seventy five thousand dollars, let's say cash, you put into it. I would take your rehab money, figure your rehab money seventy five thousand as your as your down payment, right? So in this case, and I'm just using loose terms, let's say we're doing a $250,000 mortgage. So the debt service on that, 30-year terms, if we're talking about a smaller units, two, three units, 
It's going to be about $1,658, give or take. About, they call it $1,700. Bucks, okay? Figuring it, if it's a duplex, you got $3,000 income. Let's use a quick math, 50% expenses. I know the expenses fluctuate, engineers. Bear with me. Let's use 50% because at 50%, we don't lose money. But here's the reality. If our expenses exceed 50%, we're doing something bad wrong. So understand that. So let's say our expenses uh, are running at 50% of our gross intake on a duplex. That means we got $1,500 left over to pay debt service. The debt service is $1,658, so we're losing $158 a month. Okay. So people that are doing deals like that, they're banking on appreciation. That is a recipe for disaster. Okay. That's a rest. Think of a train screaming down the rails with the brakes on, smoke coming out of the, the steel wheels, get ready to go off the edge of a mountain because that's exactly what they're doing. Don't do that. That's stupid. Instead, look at a triplex, $4,500 gross. So if a triplex costs $250 and you got 50% 50 expenses, that leaves you with uh, $2,250 minus the debt service of $1,658 leaves you with a net of 592 that's almost 200 dollars a door okay nothing to get excited about but it's better than going upside down i'll say this folks too often people figure they're looking at the 1650 or the 2250 number the noi which is the net operating income but that's a deceiving number because it doesn't allow for debt service and don't get caught up in this debt service costs you money you're going to have to pay out that every month so I, and this is what drives me crazy about cap rate. Cap rate is bullshit because it doesn't count uh, the expenses or the uh, repairs, and it doesn't count debt service. So what good is it? The, one, the two things you could always count on with a property is debt service, if you're doing it right, and repairs. So why would you use a metric that excludes those from its calculation? You know, $600 net is a big difference from $2,250, okay? So a lot of folks go in and buy a thing going, well, the NOI is fantastic. The cap rate is amazing. Look, I know, you know you're an engineer and, and math looks great and you're into the details and all this, but you skipped a very important one, knucklehead. How about the mortgage? $1,658 coming out of $2,250 is not a, a home run deal. So stop kidding yourself that it is, okay? The other side of this is in the cash flow game, there's a card that comes up where there's $100. Um, you buy a house for negative 100 bucks. And it's interesting to see how people do that because some folks don't do the pull the deal and other folks do. And that tells me a lot about what type of investor they are. Okay. So think about that. If you got a card where you lose a hundred bucks a month, but there's a potential for a huge upside, which type of investor are you? Are you that investor that would pull the trigger hoping that later something's going to amazing is going to happen. You're going to make a lot of money or are you going to say, nah, I'd really keep the hundred bucks in my pocket, not lose money going in in the deal and make money, make my money right on day one. It's up to you. There's no wrong answer, right? If you want to speculate, great. If things blow up in your face, whose fault is that? Not Tyler's. I warned you. Anyway, she goes on to say, they told me that their end game is not to hold these properties for the length of the mortgage, but instead to keep them for a few years and eventually sell them to have enough capital to purchase apartment buildings. First and foremost, ladies and gents, that rarely happens in the real world. Here's why. These type of folks often wind up selling in a down cycle. Why do they do that? Well, they sell in a down cycle for often a lower amount because the type of people that have this appreciation mindset, believe it or not, statistically wind up doing a terrible job or hiring terrible managers of being landlords. Okay? 
because they're small thinking people they're they're missing out on the most important elements the reasons why you would buy a cash flowing asset in the first place they're skipping that and they're focused on that supposed payday at the end there's a guy in my market that owns a RIA and does all these different things as a real estate broker. He's got like 17 companies and the guy, all he does is flip, 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 wholesale, flip, wholesale. One minute he's loving flipping, next minute he hates it. And then he's wholesale and he's doing all this stuff. One thing he's not doing is buying rental property. So he's a smart guy, but he's still working like a schmuck because he refuses to buy rental property. It, it, it kind of makes me sad inside it. It makes me sad panda because he's a smart guy. He should have long since been retired. He could have done that a couple of years ago. But he's always chasing that big dollar, you see. And that kind of guy is going to wind up broke if he doesn't change his, his act real quick. Because he's doing that speculation. They're still out there flipping and praying, okay? The fact is, the folks that are doing deals like this, they don't have much equity right now in these deals to begin with. They're using that hope and pray method, which is dangerous. And they're high, high likelihood of failure because they don't have enough cash flow in these deals out of the gate to maintain these assets, Let's look at the above example. If you're, if you're coming up with a negative 158 per month in cash flow, that's a problem. If you're coming up with 692 net on three units and a roof goes south, well, there goes your cash flow for the next three years, two years, depending on the market, how much the roof costs. So think about that, folks. Think about that. You talk about, and she goes on to say, my concern with this is having five mortgages at 300K apiece. Even if tenants are paying, isn't that too much? I don't understand what too much means. That's a mindset thing, LaShawn, and that's that's a poverty mindset. Before you go deeper into real estate, we need to work you out of that poverty mindset. You can do that by reading things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow Quadrant and reinforcing the logic there. See, like Dave Ramsey talks about all debt is bad, so I've got people listening to the show that are trying to build a portfolio debt-free. I got news for them. Never going to happen. They're never going to escape the rat race without leverage. It's just not possible. Someone proved me wrong. Unless you've got birthright or something where you've got, you're inheriting millions of dollars, you're not going to start out with any sort of a, even a great job and be able to save enough cash to buy enough real estate to escape the rat race. I don't see it as possible. It's just not going to happen. And no, you can't flip your way to buy and hold. It doesn't work that way. I know lots of people that have been telling themselves and me that lie for a long time. Oh, I'm just going to flip houses until I uh, get enough money to buy rentals. Here's a great example of that. Here's what I, when they say that, here's what I hear. It's like the stripper saying that she's just stripping to pay her way for, through college. We both know that's a bunch of crap. Okay, that's just not how it works. So let's stop lying to ourselves and focus on buying assets instead, right? Forget about the five-year thing. How about you buy a property that makes a good cash flow per month? What that number is depends on you. For me, it's more than $200 a door. I like to be at three, four, $500 a door. How do I get there? By great negotiating. I would rather focus on doing fewer of those deals that are good deals than lots of eh deals, questionable deals. Because it's the questionable deals that are going to run you right out of business. And I can give you a laundry list of investors that have proved me right 100 times over. Okay, So with that, I ask you, What's too much debt? Million and a half or you know, one point five of good debt? Hey, I'm great. I'm good with that. I got no problem with that. So she says maybe I'm over concerned with the exit strategy. I agree, you are over you are way over concerned. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Focus on the quality of the debt, the duration of the debt, and the monthly cost of the debt. That's the most important thing. Okay, she goes on to say, 
Last part here. Another school of thought is to purchase duplexes for 100K. Not the most desirable neighborhood, but okay and definitely not war zones. Well, Sean, I'm, I don't think you're really those, that those deals are out there. I mean, people talk about it, and the wholesaler may tell you it's an okay neighborhood and it's not a war zone until Saturday night and people are shooting at each other. I'm here to tell you, that's just scares me. Don't go down that road. You buy in areas where you would love to raise children. Okay. When you go, boy, I'd love to raise kids here. That's where you buy your rentals. Not I'd raise my kids here. If I teach them how to shoot back, that's not a place you want to buy rentals. Okay. Um, you even go on to say the cash flow is not as high as the option above, but still makes a decent amount. Well, we just broke it down above the cash flow above is not that high to begin with. And if you're in a questionably possibly shitty neighborhood, well, you're going to lose money. Now, you said, last thing you brought up with was, my goal is to make eight to 10000 a month net in, this, in the next seven to 10 years. I love that you said net. Thank you for that. Because I can't stand gross. That's ridiculous. Who cares about gross? You can't spend gross, right? Realtors, Keller Williams agents, GCI, give me a break, man. Come on. You can't spend gross. You're not going to make your Mercedes payments and your glamour shot photos with gross. You're only going to make money off of net, right? Real, realtors fall for this thing all the time. They, they pat themselves on the back. I, I sold $7 million worth of property. How many properties did you sell? Two. Ah, and your broker took 70%. So that left you with <laughs> jump change. Yeah, what's that work out to an hour? I digress. Anyway, you said that when you talk about the cash flow not being high enough and the cash flow above is really not that high to begin with, that terrifies me. For you to make your eight to 10,000, and I'm here to tell you, Based on reading what you've written, I'm here to tell you that if you simply shift your mindset, you will reach that eight to $10,000 a goal in the next seven years. No problem. But here's the other thing. Eight to $10,000 a month is not going to be enough money for you. It's not. Because when you start making $8,000 a month, you're going to wind up wanting more. So set your goal a little higher. Set it to $20,000 or $30,000 a month because it's going to help you think bigger. You're going to buy a little bigger properties that are going to yield you better numbers. You're going to be more focused on the bottom line, that net figure that you capitalized, and I love that. Thank you, LaShawn, for doing that. Folks, I'm going to wrap it right there. I hope you guys found value in this episode. I realize I ran a little long this week, but I uh, really wanted to, to nail this home so we're clear on it. And uh, again, if you want to reach out to me, you can either email directly, info at cashflowguys.com. If you want to get on my calendar and have a phone conversation, cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Look forward to talking to you guys, and we'll catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.